Hi, and welcome to episode 51 uh, of Walk to Work. So a few uh, episodes back, I was discussing how cultural appropriation is a thing. Uh, and I kind of needed a bit of time to cool down from that, because uh, I was getting into arguments on Facebook. Uh, and um, I wasn't entirely sure I was kind of staying in my lane. Like, I'm not sure that uh, to what extent I was... Uh, helping address problems versus showing that I'm a white dude who's aware of these problems and therefore I'm not like the other white dudes. Uh, so I took a bit of a chill time from that uh, to reflect. And I'm back. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yes, yeah, definitely I think that talking about this uh, is worthwhile. Um, and I think that talking about this from my perspective the perspective I'm adding is not a new one it is a specifically debunking the poorer arguments um, in this case uh, it was triggered by a French person trying to claim that their performance was not uh, cultural appropriation and a bunch of uh, people defending them and I likened it to kind of uh, the 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 argument about what uh, cultural appropriation constitutes, uh, why it's harmful, and how to diminish uh, the harm of it is, is quite a complicated one. Um, this means that you can attack many levels of this argument, many floors of the house, uh, and if you successfully attack any of those floors, the top floor comes crumbling down. <clears throat> so my issue is it's a very uh, easy topic to dismantle. Uh, and if uh, someone is making a bunch uh, of attacks against the very concept uh, of cultural appropriation, then uh, defenders have a pretty challenging task because they have to challenge protect and defend uh, every floor of the castle and my belief is that the floors are uh, every single one defendable um, but that uh, the, the actual a lot, a lot of the arguments against it uh, I don't think are coming from a place necessarily of good faith uh, and I don't think they come from a place of being intimately familiar with the argument. Which also means that a lot of the attacks are kind of weird sideways glancing uh, attacks that don't actually make sense and figuring out why they don't make sense is quite challenging. Uh, so last time I discussed um, a bunch of these um, uh, uh, arguments and kind of debunk them and now I'm going to attempt to debunk some more. Um, so we left off, oh yeah it was a big thing with uh, France and communautarisme uh, and understanding uh, where French people come to with that. Um, lots of people were saying and lots of people often say uh, oh it's a choice to be offended. Um, that one's a, that one's a, a fun one, uh, not so fun. I don't know. Um, I think there's this idea when we have privilege that uh, things that people that are often termed these days uh, microaggressions. So things that yeah, you can put up with one of them, you can put up with two of them, but putting up with them day in and day out uh, is exhausting and dehumanizing and particularly horrible because when you point them out 
people are like, oh, but you're just choosing to take offense. You're, you're just sensitive. Uh, and, uh, and of course, that makes it all, all, all the worse because you say, oh, this thing that you're doing, I don't like it. It's hurting me. Uh, and people are saying, you're just choosing to be hurt uh, on top of the, the existing hurt that, that's inherent to it. Um, and I think this comes from sort of uh, PC culture, uh, political correctness, uh, the idea that um, we should not say things because they are offensive is has an inherent bias. So I think that political correctness comes from uh, is set up so that you can be easily attacked and destroyed. Uh, and that this is a different kind of setup. This is a setup by uh, privileged people, by racially privileged people, um, to come up with a way of describing um, microaggressions and systemic institutionalized uh, oppression uh, and the, the, the some of the effects of it um, in a way that makes the whole thing sound ridiculous and uh, attackable. So we have this idea that people take offense and people are so easily offended these days. Um, and that places the burden of proof on the offended person to, um, to prove that they're offended. And it takes away the burden from the offending person. So we're like, I hope this question is not offensive, but I wanted to ask as if it were not possible to know whether something is offensive or not without asking the person. Uh, and sure, uh, there's a bunch of individual things that you can say to someone that they might find offensive or that they might find uh, very literally hurtful and harmful. Um, but those that belong within, um, within uh, systemic structures, you're going to... You can find out about them. You can ask them. Uh, the don't touch a black person's hair without their permission. I mean, don't touch anyone's hair ever without their permission, but specifically don't touch a black person's hair. Um, you cannot be a grown-up in uh, 2019 in Western society and not know about this. If you don't know about this, you need to go read some books. You need to go read the internet. You need to escape your bubble. Um, that might sound a bit harsh, but yeah, uh, a lot of the things that are versus are not offensive are things that you can find out about. And it is if you're a person who is potentially causing offense, rather than moan about how you can't say anything without offending people these days, you should go find out what kinds of things are considered offensive and why, uh, and not say them. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, yes, people don't choose uh, to take offense. And the idea that they choose to take offense, I think, stems directly from placing this politi political correctness discourse on top of the problem. Uh, and I think that's uh, deliberately a... Um, the, the, the systemic oppression trying to set up a discourse in a way that it will fail. Because, yeah... Uh, it is legitimately ridiculous um, that you could be attacked because someone felt offended. 
uh, by something you said. Like, clearly you should not uh, be uh, offending people, but also clearly there's no way to know the individual history of every single person that possibly will read you or that you will talk to and not offend them, whatever uh, offence uh, means. Uh, but what you can do is be aware of the minefields. Like, everyone's aware of minefields around death. You don't discuss death randomly with people. You, you find out if they've had... Uh, deaths in their household recently you you know about a person and you don't just say yeah you don't just randomly talk about death uh, and that's the same thing for a bunch of issues around systemic oppression uh, there are things that you don't randomly talk about there are things you don't randomly say uh, because you live in society and you know not to say them um, and so the, the converse of that is that it's not a choice to be offended, it is a literal, actual, uh, harmful hurt. Um, and at worst, the, or at best, I mean, maybe something is something you think, well, pretty much anyone should be able to shrug this off, right? Or um, a black person seeing cultural appropriation of um, Native American culture uh, in... Um, in a uh, jazz tap dance performance. Uh, it's not the black person that's being directly um, hurt by this. Surely they can choose or not to take offense. And so I'm not a black person, so I can't, I can't speak for that. But what I imagine and what I read from understanding it is it makes people feel actively unsafe in communities where that kind of thing happens. Because if that kind of thing happens, it means that you're not in a community that is used to practicing care, you're not in a community that is used to being curious uh, about uh, cultural and racial issues, you're not in a community that um, is being outgoing in being welcoming to black people. Um, and uh, speaking even as myself, that's also a thing that I feel very strongly. Uh, like, yes, there's no negative impact on me uh, if uh, you uh, culture, do cultural appropriation of pretty much any culture. Uh, although, don't uh, try to talk fondue uh, that is not proper fondue with me. I will not be amused. Um, Uh, but I can see if it's a, if I'm in a community that is very clearly practicing cultural appropriation without care, I'm not going to be comfortable there uh, because I know that the work I'm trying to do uh, is to understand um, how communities can be welcoming versus unwelcoming to people of color. And something that I know is very clearly unwelcoming um, and is not okay by any stretch of the imagination, uh, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to have to invest huge amounts of emotional labor to explain why this is not okay. And that, that, that's probably fine. Um, and definitely it should be my job, uh, as opposed to other people's jobs, uh, especially people of color, to do that labor. Uh, but it's also... Um, it, it has a uh, a trickle down. That felt very self-centering, so I'm going to kind of shy away from that one and uh, move on. Yes, choice to be offended. No, it's not. People definitely get uh, hurt. People are hurt. 
uh, it brings culture together. It's like, yes, we're in a globalized society at all times. Uh, black dance and uh, black culture and white culture have, or various cultures have intermingled and everything is the produce of cultures intermingling. And what do you want to do? Everything to stay nicely in its silos and never be integrated. And well, the, the answer to that one is a little bit tricky as well. Um, yes and no. I, the question um, of cultures intermingling um, is the same as the question of cultural appropriation uh, itself. It's who is benefiting. Um, if you're doing a culturally appropriative performance um, uh, that is um, uh, harmful to uh, Native Americans and is borrowing and you think somehow enriching and showing the beauty of Native American uh, uh, war bonnets. Um, sure, that's your opinion, but if then you go to Native Americans and you're like, what do you think of the use of my war bonnet in this performance? And they think it makes me physically sick. Uh, this holds a symbolic, uh, this has a ritual significance uh, in our culture. Uh, that means that you sh that uh, we would really rather you didn't do that. Um, well, well, clearly it doesn't matter how you think that you can take um, Native American uh, war bonnets and do something with them. Um, you can't because the culture that these things are deeply meaningful for, the culture that gives meaning to these things, um, well, for one, they're like, no, don't do that. And for two, there's no way that you can enrich a culture that you know nothing about. And this, this applies in many influences. Like, if I take some um, um, Afro-Caribbean percussion and add it to my French traditional music, well, yeah, sure, maybe I'm producing something interesting and cool, and maybe I should be able to do that. But then, do, do, does what I do give back? Does it, does it enter into uh, the culture of Afro-Caribbean percussion? Uh, is it relevant to Afro-Caribbean percussion? Does the exchange go both ways? Uh, and there are definitely situations where the exchange can go both ways, like if I'm collaborating with people, um, and if the way that I talk about that collaboration uh, is positive. So for example, some musicians that I admire a lot in France uh, went to uh, the Mississippi Delta, and they recorded um, an album called Muddy Gurdy. So it mixes hurdy-gurdy playing with French musician, French blues musicians with uh, current uh, blues musicians uh, from the Delta. I think they played with, oh, I can't remember his first name, um, R.L. Burnside's uh, grandson uh, and Sade uh, Thomas uh, and a bunch of other people from, from, from down there. Um, and the, the music is kind of slightly uninteresting. Uh, I think uh, the people who are playing blues have not necessarily figured out what they're doing and how, to, uh, how best to interact with these people that they went there to record with. But maybe that's just also they didn't actually spend enough time together uh, and so it was just this is what came out in the time that we had. Uh, and that project could be really cool, but then there's a video where they're talking about it. 
first seven minutes of that video, not a single black person speaks. Like, how do you go to Delta and do this cultural exchange thing, and then do a 15-minute video reporting the, the, the results of it, uh, in which, for the first seven minutes, there are no voices given to black people. Um, it, it That's not a good example. And that's a very typical example of, yeah, they were meaning really well, but in impact, the way that they tried to mix cultures um, was okay, maybe not best. Uh, and then they started talking about it and they started bringing results to France. And the way that they brought these results to France completely silenced and left out the voices of the people that you're claiming to do cultural exchange with. And then, of course, afterwards they actually did talk to those people um, and you do see them in the video. Um, but just generally, uh, there was an almost and so close and then, yeah, meh, not really. Um, It looks like this is going to be a four to maybe five parter or something. Uh, not quite sure. What do I have next on my list that we can maybe get to here? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just um, the idea of who you can refer to to get information um, and who should be providing this information. A lot of times um, we're like, well, have you asked a black person? And they're like, uh, I did ask a black person, and the black person said it was fine. Or, I have black friends. Or, uh, Greg, why are you telling us this? Uh, are you black? How, how is your voice relevant here? Um, and that's an easy one to get very um, lawyering about, because uh, it doesn't really... Um, yeah, uh, so um, black voices, voices of people of color, they're going to be diverse. There's going to be a lot of diversity. You have to talk to and hear from a lot of people um, to get an idea of if there's some kind of collective opinion uh, and how split that collective opinion is. Um, and I won't say that I've done that. Like I had that from the internet, reading on the internet, reading in very uh, social justice places, uh, talking to people uh, when and where I can. Um, and clearly, uh, well, for one, there is diversity of opinion uh, amongst black people about various topics, just like there's a diversity of opinion amongst white people, amongst French people, etc. Um, and different people will say different things. So that both means that one person or two people saying, yeah, I think that's fine. That's not maybe enough of an opinion poll. Like you have to have you have to have friends, you have to be part of uh, a thing uh, in order to not culturally appropriate the thing and then you'll actually know for, for yourself. Um, and I'll hold up my hand to that, that I'm not uh, kind of part of black culture, I'm not part of blues culture and yet I do this blues dancing thing. Uh, it's a bit of a tricky one, uh, to, to put it mildly. Um, But what I have uh, read and learned, um, there are some things that I feel that I can speak not with authority on, but with confidence, because I've read enough black voices and listened to enough black voices that I'm pretty sure that even if, they're, even if they were only 10% of black voices and everybody else disagreed with them, uh, I hear their argument and I hear their experience and I feel confident uh, that uh, that is um, uh, correct to a certain extent and I feel confident that I can relay 
um, that opinion. Uh, and maybe there's situations, there are definitely situations where I shouldn't be the person relaying that opinion. There are definitely situations where the way to relay an opinion is to paste a link to it. Uh, is to say, here, go read this. Uh, but there are other times when the way to relay an opinion is to summarize um, exactly what is relevant for the current conversation. Uh, and I believe that there are people who will disagree with me on that. But so I will stand by. Uh, just because uh, you have a black person who says it's okay, that's not enough. Um, and although you must be listening to black voices, to voices of people of color, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you see a white voice that their voice is not pertinent. Um, and it's very easy to dismiss that white voice. You can be like, oh, you're virtue signaling oh, you're not white, so you're not qualified to talk about this. But you also have to remember that if your conversation, your argument is to prohibit a white person from expressing uh, a view that is counter to yours and you demand that it be a person of color who express that view, um, you're demanding uh, work uh, and emotional labor from uh, whoever those people of color are that will respond. Uh, and that's work that allies can and should also be doing. Um, and so, yeah, be very careful in demanding that. Uh, I, and the same thing, like, I'm saying, hey, go ask a black person, but also don't go ask a black person. Like, black people are not there just to give you permission to do things that you suspect might be cultural appropriation. Uh, they're not there to explain things to you. They're there to live their lives. And if you can't interact uh, in a way um, that is not, that, that is more... Um, accepting of them as an individual and as a human than to ask them, hey, what do black people think about this? Uh, then maybe uh, you should be listening to uh, white people who are telling you stuff about this and not dismissing them uh, because they're not black. Because you don't really have another source of uh, opinion that's actually uh, available at low cost to you. Uh, or more specifically at low cost to them because you're probably not going to be paying them. Uh, so yeah, so that was uh, for um, today. Uh, this thing, is it a choice to be offended? Uh, does, um, how do we bring cultures together without cultural appropriation? Uh, are people who believe in cultural appropriation people who believe that there should never be any mingling of cultures ever? Of course not. Um, and how does the voices that are speaking about cultural appropriation um, how do we kind of give interpretation to that? And how do we not um, over eagerly dismiss something either because one single person uh, said it was okay or because the bearer of bad news uh, is not a person of color? Um, more for next time. Uh, next week is episode 52, so I think I'll do a bit of a recap of how the year's gone for me, which you might find interesting or you might not. One of the things I'm going to ask in my recap is uh, try to kind of go over the things that I found interesting and relevant and see if you uh, guys agree. So I'd really very much appreciate hearing from you on that. Um, I will see you next time. Until then, take care. <laughs>